saints. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. I rejoice and be glad. What a great church. Man, the Gateway Church is a fun church. Can I tell you, if I lived anywhere within driving distance, this would be my home church. I mean, just a great, uh, you know how to eat well. Last night was a great meal. You know how to enjoy one another's company. And of course, uh, you connect with the heartbeat of God by partnering with some of your global assistants around the world. You know, each one of your missionaries that you support, those 73 either missionaries or ministries are an extension of this church. And uh, they're like your staff around the world. And so I want to thank you. This day, this particular Sunday, may be one of the most critical Sundays in the calendar year of the Gateway Church. And uh, I'm excited about a collective miracle that I think can take place in the next few minutes. If you have your copy of God's Word, whether you have it in tree form or e-form, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. So I was studying the uh, 73 different missionaries and entities that you support, and as you were listening to some of the missionaries and talk about what they do, compassion was a theme that sort of ran through each of their testimonials. And for a few minutes this morning before we consider what God wants to do through us to touch the world, I want to talk to you on this subject of compassion in action. Compassion in action. There are two great stories in the New Testament that sort of reflect God's heart for people. Uh, the first one has to do with the prodigal son. Um, the prodigal son deals with God's unconditional love for people. But there's a second story of the Good Samaritan, and that talks a lot about God's unselfish love. And within the story of the Good, uh, the Good Samaritan, there are four individuals who are highlighted and sort of called into question regarding their motives for compassion. Now, it's kind of interesting if you've got some sort of uh, Wi-Fi connection or Internet connection. If you were to Google the two words, Good Samaritan, it would come back with over 2,500,000 results. Good Samaritan, you got Good Samaritan hospitals, Good Samaritan retirement centers, Good Samaritan churches, Good Samaritan non-for-profit organizations. In fact, there's even a Good Samaritan law designed to protect those who help sort of the injured or the ill without fear of sort of legal repercussions. Who would have ever thought that when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan that that could have been foreseen as a, an expression that's universally synonymous with acts of kindness, with acts of compassion, and really missionally connected. When you come to Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells this really story. Let's, let's pick up our reading in verse 25 about this story of the Good Samaritan. Bible says, one day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do you... Um, do this and you'll live. Verse number 29, and the man wanted to justify his actions. Watch this. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? This guy's a piece of work. 
So Jesus, not wanting to be defined by what this guy is doing, tells the story, and he replies with the story, verse 30. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when, the ma- when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, watch this, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him at an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, tell him, take care of this man, and if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So Jesus asks this attorney, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And, Jesus, and the man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and you do the same. This story has a cast of people. There are four interesting people in this story, and I want to take a, a look at the cast, sort of profile the cast and see if it doesn't help set us up on how we as the Gateway Church can continue and even increase our compassion capacity through the missionaries and the ministries we support. Well, the first person in this story is the lawyer, the attorney. I mean, this guy is a piece of work. You see, he represents somebody that only wants to discuss compassion. He just wants to debate it. He wants to kind of sort of explore the subject but doesn't want to get involved. Verse 25 says, One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. i got to tell you, this guy is something else. Um, First of all, we know he's a religious lawyer, so that means he probably had the first five books of the Bible memorized. He had the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He He had that memorized. So the questions that he was asking Jesus, he already knew the answer to. He was skilled in the law. So right out of the chute, you see this guy's motive for compassion. He wasn't interested in participating in compassion. He wasn't interested in participating in mission. He just kind of wanted to debate it. He wanted to discuss it. He wanted to challenge the way certain methods were being done in mission. You know, these kind of people bug me. It's one thing for these kind of people to be in political circles, but when you see these kind of people in the kingdom circles... They always want to criticize. Well, why are we building water? Why are we trying to reach the undocumented? Why are, instead of getting involved in engaging ourselves and meeting the needs of humanity, we're always trying to criticize debate and subject. I think it's interesting that from Christ's perspective, he refused to allow this lawyer to define who his neighbor was from an intellectual perspective. So, Jesus tells this story, and that enters the next cast member, the robbers. The robbers. Now, these guys, these guys saw the tragic situation for their own good, for their own gain. 
Look at verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Now watch this. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead on the road. These people were looters. They were taking advantage of a tragic situation for their own good. Now, you know, it's one thing to see that in a third world country that's in turmoil. But it's a tragic thing to see that kind of thing happen in the body of Christ. You see, what's your point, Pastor Clay? My point is this. Be very careful who you give your missions money to. Because not everybody who has a fish emblem on their business card does business the way Jesus does business. Not everyone who takes pictures of starving children or of, of tragic situations are integral. Boy, I learned this about four years ago. Um, I was in my office. I work in Springfield, uh, the national office, and part of my responsibilities are over to see the finances, uh, monies that come in, both in the world missions area as well as the general council. And it was shortly after the crisis in Haiti when everybody was making appeals and there were a lot of television specials going on to respond to the crisis in Haiti. And our director of communications happened to call me. Her name is Julene Turnage. And she said, Doug, there are some people from the Fox News Network that would like to talk to us, talk to somebody in leadership about our appeal for the Haiti crisis. <laughs> well, Dr. Wood wasn't in, Dr. Garrison wasn't in, so I guess I was third on the totem pole, and I said, okay. And she said, now, I said, is it from Channel 17? I was thinking it was the local Fox News. She said, no, they're from Washington. This is the national Fox News channel that are wanting to do a story on appeals for the Haiti crisis. All of a sudden, I got pretty excited. I thought, okay, my time to shine on the no spin zone with Bill O'Reilly. You know, I, I thought, this is going to be cool. And, and so I said, well, give me a couple minutes. And so I, uh, I, I, I watched the appeal that was made. I, I got sort of our spreadsheets and was trying to figure, okay, just kind of the deployment of our funds. We did a joint appeal with Convoy of Hope for the Haiti crisis. So the couple comes in. There's a camera person. There's a young gal who has her little eye tablet there, and she's taking notes. And I said, hey, welcome, thanks for coming in. And she got right to the point right away. She said, we're doing a study on the uh, appeals for non-for-profits as it relates to the crisis in Haiti. And, and so we'd like to ask you, Mr. Clay, in the Assemblies of God, we've noticed that there have been two appeals that have gone out, both from yourselves and from the Convoy of Hope. Could you tell us just how much money actually gets to Convoy of Hope in these disasters? And I said, well, yes, I could. And so I said, 95 cents of every dollar that is raised will get there. She said, no, no, no. I want to know how much money will actually go to the field. <laughs> I said, well, not. She said, no. How much? When someone sends some money. I said, well, here's the deal. And I pulled out the spreadsheet. I said, when the money comes in, it comes into our central mail. It gets opens. It gets processed. 5% is taken off for administration. And the administration is for that part of the world. That's where that goes. 95 cents goes on to that particular field for the actual reason why it was appealed. She closed the top of her iPad tablet. And she said, okay, thank you very much. I said, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? She said, this is a unique anomaly. I said, what do you mean? She said, do you realize that most of the major appeals that are done on major television networks, less than 50% actually get to the field? I said, okay, well, great. Well, let's keep going. She goes, no, that's not what I was looking for. And I thought, oh, shucks, my time to shine on Bill O'Reilly just went out the door, you know. 
But after she went away, I thought, hallelujah, that there's an organization that has 95% of every dollar that's, that's given that goes to the field. And I can tell you, at the Gateway Church, every dollar that you send into mission goes directly for the cause for which it was given. See, the robbers here, they took advantage of that situation for their own gain. And too many times, not just in society, but in the body of Christ, we have that. And, 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 and I want you to know that each of those missionaries that you saw in there, and that list of 73 missions, entities, and persons that you see you support $50 a month or $75 a month, they are your global partners around the world. There's a third group that are represented in this story in our cast this morning, and that's the priests and the Levites. Now, they didn't want to get involved at all in compassion. In fact, they wanted to avoid the situation altogether. Here's the deal. They were actually on their way to Jerusalem. You see, in those days, the priests were divided into 24 different groups, and each group would go up to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem twice a year for one week. It was kind of like a one-week internship up at the temple. And they would go up there and they would serve for a week in the temple, then they would go back home. So these guys are passing by. They're on their way to Jerusalem. They're going up to give their week of service, and they pass by this person who the Bible says is half dead. So they don't know whether he's dead or alive, and as they're walking by, they are faced with this dilemma. If he's dead and they go over and touch him, according to the ceremonial law in Leviticus chapter 21, if they touch him, then they're unqualified to go up to the temple to do their work of service. So they got this dilemma. Ceremonially, if we go over and touch him, ah, we don't know. But yet, morally, we're religious people. We should be helping our neighbor. And I find that dilemma a lot. In society today, there's the moral law that says love your neighbor as yourself. You don't need to check whether or not someone's documented or undocumented, whether you minister to them. Or there's the ceremonial law. And I find it interesting when it comes to missions, when it comes to Jesus' perspective, the moral law always trumps the ceremonial law. Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself. I saw this in vivid color couple years ago when I was traveling. I do a lot of traveling, and so I, I got on a little small American Eagle, sort of a pedal jumper, and I got into my seat and sat down. And two seats in front of me on an aisle seat, right before the flight took off, a gentleman came in and either had two broken arms or two broken collarbones because his arms were crossed like this and they were, um, they were wrapped or they were cast like that. So he sat down, and the flight attendant helped buckle this person in. And he sat there, and uh, we took off. And when we got to that comfortable cruising altitude, the flight attendants made the announcement that they'd be coming through with some, uh, with some snacks and some soft drinks. She was pushing the cart, and she came, and she said, would you like a soft drink and some pretzels? And he said, yes, I would. And so she dropped this tray table down, and she put a glass of ice, a can of Coke, and some pretzels there and pushed on. So I'm watching this, and the person sitting next to him had earphones in and was kind of lost in the world. And here's this guy. His arms are immobile, and there's a can of Coke, a glass of ice, and some pretzels right there. And I'm thinking, what's up with that? And pretty soon the flight attendant came back up, and 
the gentleman said, excuse me, ma'am, could you help me with this? And she was very quick to say, oh, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir. FAA regulations say we can only serve the food to our attendants. We can't feed you. And she walked on by. Pretty soon, the person is sitting across from him said, would you like me to help you with that? He said, yeah, I sure would. And so opened the can of Coke and poured it in the glass and gave him some and ate some pretzels. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of people out in society today, well, we, don't, we shouldn't really have to get involved with those people. They shouldn't be in that hardship place to begin with. If they wouldn't have made some poor decisions in their teenager, they wouldn't have to be in that, that, uh, that, that situation. And I want you to know Jesus comes along and says, you know what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And I pray that as a church, you'll never be so preoccupied with doing ministry that you won't lose the ability to see and feel the needs of those around you, not only in this community, but around the world. These temple assistants didn't want to get involved because it would have interrupted their personal ambition. Well, that leads us to the fourth character in this story, and that's the Good Samaritan. Man, the Good Samaritan, this compassion for him wasn't a subject to debate. It wasn't an issue to explore. It wasn't something to avoid altogether. The Bible says that he saw the need, check this out, and he emotionally got involved. You see, to the Good Samaritan, compassion was a verb. It wasn't a noun. And I would say to the Gateway Church here, missions is a verb. It's not just a noun. It's, it's, it's participation and action. You see, the Good Samaritan, number one, put his compassion in action. The Bible says that he saw and felt. How many of you know you can see the plight of people's condition? We, we do it every day. There's a panhandler that serves on a corner every day when I come from work. I see that individual. Sometimes I look and he looks at me. I kind of look away. Come on, how many of you know we've done that? It's one thing to see. It's another thing to see and feel. He put his compassion to action. Secondly, he proved, watch this, he proved his compassion by making contact. The Bible says that he soothed his wounds. He put the man on his own donkey. He took care of his needs. He got involved. And I would submit to you that real compassion and real missions isn't just saying, oh, I'm going to think about you and I'm going to pray for you. It's about getting involved. It's about financially supporting. It's about spiritually praying. And it's about personally participating in this great opportunity called missions. A hand to hold and hope to live. We saw that last night. If you happened to be at the banquet, you heard the testimony of a young lady who was touched by Love, Inc. She came out of prison, lost her family, lost her job, lost a future, and she talked about some of the services that Love, Inc. provided for her and brought transformation to her life. I, Love, Inc. is a ministry that's a hand to hold and hope to live for. This good Samaritan, boy, he proved his compassion by, by making a point of contact. But, you know, his compassion cost him something. Did you catch that in verse 34? Um, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with his own oil, olive oil and wine. He bandaged them up. He put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn where he took care of him. 
his own wine, his own donkey. He probably missed some work. The Bible says that he paid two silver coins. Those coins are called denarii. One denarii represents a day's wages. So he took two days' wages to help this person who was in need. If you have children, and especially if you have grandchildren, you know that you can't love somebody without it costing you something. And the Good Samaritan loved this person. He gave him his eyes when he looked at him. He gave him his heart when he allowed himself to feel. He gave him his donkey to ride with. He gave him his feet when he walked alongside of him. He gave him his time. He postponed his own agenda to take care of his needs. He gave him his money. You see, he proved his compassion. And it cost him something. And really, that's what missions is all about. It's saying, God, we really do believe as a church that everybody has a right to taste and see that you are good. In my life, I've discovered a couple of things. I've discovered, first of all, that the secret to compassion is not found in religion. It's not found in government. And it's not found in religion. You see, all the players in this story were religious. Some even suggest the robbers were religious because they left him half dead. <laughs> they didn't want to be tagged as being murderers. I pray that the Gateway Church will never become such a, a consumer-oriented church that you, never miss, that you don't miss the opportunity to respond to people who are in need. And I want to thank you on behalf of the 73 missionaries and ministries that you support. Thank you for understanding that church is not about just being a religious fraternity where we come in and it's a consumer mindset. It's all about us, what we get, what we receive, but it's about what God can give through you. Second thing I've discovered about missions is the motivation for compassion or the motivation for getting involved in missions should never be through guilt. If you have to be guilted into doing missions, then that's not really healthy. And the other thing I've discovered is that the result of being compassionate, the result of compassion is simply being Christ-like and obeying his command. That's why we do missions. Because there's still over a couple billion people who've never had an adequate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are still millions of people who are confused about what it means to have eternal life. Say, Pastor Clay, do you really, do you really buy into missions? You, you know, I buy into missions for several reasons. I buy into missions, first of all, because I believe the Bible when it says Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Do you believe that? John chapter 14, no one comes to the Father except through the Son. And there's a growing popularity of, of, of saying there's a lot of roads that lead to heaven. That's not true. There's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, God's Son, who came from heaven to earth to show us how to live and to die for our sins. And there are people who are trapped and who are, who are blinded by the fact that the eternal life comes through works or selling themselves out to a particular a religion. So I, I buy into this thing called missions because I believe everybody has a right to understand that Christ is the only way to God. I buy into missions because um, money talks. And I want to use it to bring glory and honor to the Lord. All of us have understood that money in the United States has gone to fund entertainment industries, 
and media productions that have been destructive and have destroyed lives. So I say if money is the God of our age, then let's use it to promote the greatest message that mankind knows, and that's that Jesus Christ loves humanity and has a plan for eternal life for each and every one of us. Money talks, so let's use it to declare the glory of God. I give to missions. Because I've understood it, and I've seen it in my own life. If I neglect God's work, then my money will disappear faster than if I put it into God's kingdom. And I also give to missions because I've discovered it has one of the greatest returns on investment than any sort of uh, financial uh, vehicle that we have. In fact, I want to share with you several pictures, and it's a way of saying thank you. Because of your commitment to the 73 missionaries and mission entities that you, that you give to, on any given day of the week, I want you to see what your missions dollars are going to, and I think you'll agree with me. It's a great return on your investment. You see, on any given day around the world, your missions giving provides safe transportation for girls who are enrolled in a project rescue school in New Delhi, India. They're being snatched from sex trafficking. They're being placed in, in homes and developing skill sets to get back out into society and develop a job and be safe. Because of your giving on any given day, you're assisting an evangelism team to reach a remote village in Russia where people are largely forgotten and secluded from the rest of the world. Because of your missions giving, you're helping to feed 55,000 children every day in Haiti through Convoy of Hope. Because of your missions giving, you're helping to dig water wells in Africa to provide clean water to a needy community. Because of your missions giving, you're hauling construction materials to build a new church in Africa. Because of your giving, you support new church plants, not only here in Michigan, but in the Northwest and around the world. Because of your missions giving, you help to disciple recovering drug addicts and alcoholics that are in teen challenge, and they're driven safely every week to different churches with speed the light vehicles. Because of your missions giving, you help to train Bible school students in Cuba so that they can plant churches in communities that have no churches. Because of your missions giving, you be, you're broadcasting family-friendly biblical values and television in the nation of Ecuador. It's a part of a Spanish-speaking ministry called Uncion. Because of your missions giving, you're addressing the worldwide human trafficking crime wave through breaking the chains and project rescue ministries. Because of your giving to missions, you produce media evangelism content. Because of your giving to missions, you provide transportation and construction teams that are building Bible schools and churches throughout the world. This one's pretty close to home. Because of your giving to missions, you're presenting character development, the seven projects, school assemblies, and evangelism outreach events, not only in your own community, but around the United States. Because of your missions giving, you're empowering Network 211 to reach 230 countries around the world with a gospel message 24 hours a day via the internet. Your missions giving assists chaplains and ministry outreach to bikers. You're, you're reaching thousands of Muslim children in impoverished neighborhoods in the Philippines. Because of your missions givings, you're presenting God's word to the underground believers via, via MP3 players loaded with the entire Bible with the Chinese language. That's pretty cool. Because of your missions giving, and you know this, you're helping take youth alive missionaries like Kurt Hollis, Cullison, Kurt Cullison, 
meeting with school principals and helping to reach high school students. You help to transport Chi Alpha students who are reaching secular campus. You're delivering food supplies and clothes to orphanages in Africa. Because of your missions giving, you produce resources for ministry to the blind in the United States. Come on, friends, I'm telling you, that's a pretty good return on your investment. Somebody ought to put their hands together and thank the Lord. I'd like to ask each and every one of you to take out this faith promise card right now. And if you have that with you, and I'd like everyone just to hold it in your hand. I just want you to hold it in your hand. The leadership of this church feels, not because it's a, some sort of denominational obligation, but because they feel it's a biblical command to go into all the world and take the gospel. The leadership of this church believes so much in missions that they give two weeks out of a year to just sort of heighten our awareness, to talk about what's going on around the world, and to allow you to exercise some faith to say, God, if you'll give it through me, what can I give to this great cause of taking the gospel around the world? You see, it's what makes a church healthy. Participating in missions is really cool because Missions giving doesn't necessarily benefit you. It's all about them. I believe in missions because it's different than tithing. You see, tithing benefits you. When you tithe to a church, that that provides great staff to minister to children and to young people and to provide facilities and, 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 and and to perhaps buy land and build buildings. The tithe benefits you. Missions benefits the lost and the hurting and those who don't have anything. Missions is one of the most healthiest things that you as a church can participate in because it's not about you, it's about others. So what the church does is once a year they ask their congregations, what's the amount of faith in our church that we can believe God for? What's what's God wanting to do through us to be able to touch the world? Thank God last year you gave over 80-some thousand dollars to the cause of missions and that is incredible. You are in the top. Did you know out of the 13,000 Assemblies of God churches in the United States, you were in the top 2% of growth from the year before in your missions giving? That's a pretty great stat. <laughs> but the leadership in their heart believing God that this coming year, this church is going to give $120,000 for missions. I think that's so cool. You want to see the growth of a, a building campaign. You want, to see, you want to see God release funds for other areas of ministry. You honor him in this area, and I promise you he will bless you. See, the Bible says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So what's going to happen in the next couple minutes? Pastor's going to come and talk to you about your faith promise. Now, this faith promise is simply between you and God. You're not going to get on some email blast list. You're not going to be hounded. This is simply an indication to the leadership of this church, to the missions board of this church to say, what kind of faith is resident in our church for us to look to the future and taking on new missionaries and developing new projects? So here's what I'd like you to do. I want everyone, not just one per house, I'd like everybody to have one of these in hand. And I'd like you to prayerfully consider what you would do 
You see, faith promise is not calculated giving. You don't sit and look at your margin and say, okay, we got this much disposable income. We can. No, faith promise is, Lord, I don't have it, but if you'll give it to me, I'll give it away. That's what faith promise is. We'd like everybody to consider participating in that. And I just say this, if what you write down doesn't scare you, then it's probably not a faith promise. I've discovered this in my own life. My wife and I, for 28 years, have been participating. We have individually, growing up, I was a part of BGMC and Speed the Light, but as a family, we have participated in Faith Promise every year. And I got to tell you, we've tried hard, but we've lost in trying to outgive God. Every year we've made some faith promise. We thought there is absolutely no way we can do this. In fact, one year she just looked at me and said, you're crazy. You should be setting a better example. That's just pie in the sky. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, through some uncircum just some unexpected gifts, God gave that. And there was never one thought in my mind that that unexpected gift coming to me, that I should use it for a vacation or that we should use it to start a fund for our grandkids' education. We knew very well that that was given to us so that we could give it away for the cause of missions. So I want each and every one of you to take one of these. I'm going to pray and pastor's going to come, but um, thank you. On behalf of the 73 ministries and missionaries you do support, I just want to say thank you so very much. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible to be in that elite 2% group that grew from last year to this year in these kind of economic times. I say, God, bless you and thank you and keep it up. So, Lord, we understand that to much is given, much is required. We understand that compassion really is a part of your heart. And God, as we considered your word this morning, uh, we don't want to be like that attorney that's just trying to debate missions and should we involve, should we not get involved and just kind of get into some dialogue about it. We don't want to be like the robbers who take advantage of tragic situations for our own gain. And we certainly don't want to be like the priest and the temple assistants that ah, we didn't want to get involved because somehow... That would interrupt our own agenda. Somehow that would, that would disqualify us from doing something that's very comfortable for us. But I pray we'd be like the Good Samaritan, that we would prove our compassion by getting involved. And so I pray, God, that you would allow this church to have its greatest year of effectiveness in missions in the coming days. And may we respond with great, great faith. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want everyone just to sit tight just for the next couple moments. Um, we unashamed take this time to challenge you, to challenge ourselves, to do something incredible together for the Lord. Um, we were at the 100-year uh, celebration several, a couple months back. Um, right here we did a simulcast, and there was a group of us that were here. Uh, one of the missionaries that spoke uh, it was challenging, saying, um, you can call yourselves, you know, whatever, but if you are not giving to missions, don't, you do, you may bear our name, but you don't have the heart of the Assemblies of God. And uh, I remember sitting about four rows back, wanting to jump out of my seat, just saying, yes, that is so important. My wife and I, you guys have heard our story. We have given uh, faith promise giving uh, all of our married life, uh, similar to Doug and uh, and his wife and uh, it's just an incredible privilege to do that and it's the only thing that really matters to god people and that's what the result of your faith promise giving is 
And so I want to challenge you, if you consider the Gateway Church your home church, we expect you to do something as a part of being a part of this church. And I know when I say that, there's almost like this grind like, oh, you can't, you can't say that. But deep down in our hearts, we say that for your good and for the good of the kingdom of God. And so we're going to just play uh, some music. I want every single one of you that's here, 100% participation, to prayerfully consider what could you do. And before I, before I release you to do that, and you may need to get up and get some pens, or maybe, guys, we can uh, pass pens out. That would be, that'd be helpful. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to challenge you with an idea. Last year, my wife and I uh, had given the previous year the largest amount uh, to missions that we had ever given and uh, through, through Faith Promise Giving. And, uh, and we, by God's grace, were able to accomplish that goal for 2013. And uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was tough, but God really helped us, and there were some neat things that came together. Last year, we knew we had done what we had, what we had done for 2013. When God put it on our heart to double our giving for this year, we thought, just like Doug was saying, there's no possible way to do that. And I shared a few weeks back, I remember uh, just three weeks ago, Jessica and I, we wrote out that final check to hit the goal that we had set last October. And God honored that in our lives. And I don't say that to say, oh, look at this. I'm saying you can trust God. And so today, Jessica and I, we were talking last night, and we are, we are praying about what God would have us to do. And I just want to challenge you that when God puts something in your heart, something maybe beyond what you think you can do, you can trust it's not the enemy putting that idea in your head. <laughs> and you can trust God. And so I want us to pray and uh, just bow our heads. And you can start that, that music, that video. And I want us to take the next few moments just to consider and I want everyone with a faith promise in your hand, and I want you to fill that out, trusting God, and then we'll ex- instruct you what to do with that after that point. All right. We believe what that song is saying, that we can make a difference. You can just keep that uh, uh, playing there. Well, this morning we're going to receive an offering, and we're also going to turn in our faith promise at the same time. And so we want to encourage you today, to, to bring your faith promise. We're going to bring it forward to the Lord, and we're just going to put it in these uh, containers right up here with our offerings. And then at the end, we're going to pray. We'll stand and pray, and that's how we'll conclude the service. And so I want to challenge you at this point to just move from where you are, to bring your faith promise, and also to bring your tithes, bring your offerings, your mission support. And we're going to uh, put this in here, and then we will pray and ask the Lord to honor that in our lives. Just let's take the next moment or two to do that this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want everyone to stand. And uh, inside of this container here, there's a whole lot of faith, I believe. God stretching us to do something beyond uh, what in the natural seems possible. I want to thank you. For, the, for your faithfulness in giving over the past. And uh, we've seen some incredible things. But through your faith promise giving, we support 
the 73 missionaries monthly. And through your continued faithfulness, we'll be able to do that and pick up additional missionaries as the Lord leads us to pick those up. And we want to see advancement, don't we, church? We want to be able to reach more, to look forward to the day when we, when we hit 100 missionaries supported monthly. I mean, that, uh, that's not in our too far di- distant future, but it's based on that faith promise giving. You also know that we, we give 10% off the top uh, as a church to missions to support funds and, uh, and different things as well. And the combined effort, uh, we believe that we're going to hit $120,000 this year uh, for, for missions. And uh, it's just a testimony of what God can do through people. Not one of us could probably do that on our own, but together we can do incredible things. And, uh, and it puts, uh, puts things into perspective. Uh, things that uh, may concern the world uh, just become less important sometimes. And God, he honors our faith. And he can walk with us. He wants to walk with us. And uh, we can trust him. And so I just want you just to uh, lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer of benediction. And thank you for your giving this morning. Thank you for your faith promise giving. And let's just ask the Lord to pour out his presence and his power and his provision into our lives. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, for moments like this in our lives where you challenge us even beyond our, our natural abilities. God, I pray that you would put it into our hearts to continue to do great things for you, to be obedient, to listen. And God, I pray that you would continue to use this church, God, to make an impact in this community and all across the globe. And Lord, I thank you that you would continue to put a burden in our hearts to reach the lost. Lord, it's the only thing that matters to you is people. And help us, Lord, to be a part of that. Now I pray as we go, Lord, that there would be a confidence in your spirit. God, a confidence to reach beyond what you have called or what you have, uh, uh, the natural appears, but in a confidence to, to be a part of what your kingdom is doing. Lord, I thank you for this. God, go before us, behind us, and all around us. And all God's people said together, amen and amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Go in the grace of God, and uh, we'll see you next week. Amen.